Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, Say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, aka Mike D. Today, I want to share with you some lessons that I and probably you listening to this right now have learned over the years from Disney and Pixar movies. We'll get into a movie review talking about the latest Disney Pixar movie, Turning Red. And in the trailer park, we have a new meta comedy from Judd Apatow. Not really sure what's going on there, but we'll get into all that. Appreciate you being subscribed and listening every single week. Shout out to the Monday morning crew. You know who you are. We're all here. We're ready to go. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult now who still loves watching animated movies, there's always something to learn from a Disney Pixar movie, and that's what I want to talk about today. I always like to have a theme for every single episode, and I wanted to pair it with the movie review today. Because I will be talking about Turning Red, which is available on Disney+. Plus, So I'll get into that full review later. But there's something you can learn from that movie. And going back further into every Disney Pixar movie, there's always a kind of lesson. And even more so now with Pixar movies, who I feel are a lot more progressive. And really kind of challenge what a kid's movie can be. I'm going to go through some Disney Pixar movies and what I and probably you learned from them too. And I did want to group these all together because now every Pixar movie is a Disney movie after Pixar was acquired by Disney. Before, I felt there was a pretty big distinction between Disney and Pixar. Disney was a lot more of the old school fairy tales and they're kind of like an old school thing of like, here's the thing you have to learn after watching this movie. It was all very storybook. And then when Pixar came along with Toy Story, 
And then really over the 2000s and 2010s, Pixar became a thing of its own because it's so different than a Disney movie because in Pixar movies, oftentimes there's not really a villain. It's almost like just life in general is the villain. It's a lot of a kid growing throughout a movie, an animal, a car, or some other kind of character learning a valuable lesson that's important for kids to learn. But if you're watching them as an adult, there's probably something you can take away too. So I think that's really why I, as a 30-year-old man, still enjoy watching Pixar movies. And it is just kind of funny how sometimes, yeah, in Pixar movies, there isn't a villain. It's just everyday life. And sometimes that's even scarier. But let's get into it now. And I want to go back to what I consider to be the OG Disney movie of my childhood. I think one of the greatest Disney films of all time. It is The Lion King from 1994. And there are really so many things you can learn from The Lion King. But what I took away from it more was learning about death. And I know you could say that maybe it was Bambi before this, but for my generation, it was definitely Lion King. And when Mufasa dies and Simba is there trying to wake him up, I mean, that still kind of rattles me as an adult. But as a kid, I was like, what is happening right now? We're not even halfway through this movie and Mufasa's already dead. But here's just a little bit of that scene. Dad? Dad, come on. You gotta get up. Dad. We gotta go home. Help! Somebody! Anybody! And watching that as a kid, you can really only imagine all the things you're having to process. You've just been introduced to this story. Simba, who loves his dad, wants to learn everything from his dad. And now he has passed away and is laying there lifeless. That's a really powerful thing to put in an animated movie like this. And what I learned from that, that's the first time I ever realized that someday my parents aren't going to be here. It's a heavy thing to learn when you're five, six years old. And I think why I love Disney animated movies so much is sometimes like my parents, they were great parents, but maybe it was because my parents are Hispanic or, or because we grew up with not having a whole lot that my parents were just trying to work that sometimes I felt they didn't get around to teaching me the hard lessons. And I think part of why I love movies so much is because I learned a lot through movies. I don't think my parents ever sat me down to have a talk about death. They never sat me down to have a talk, like the talk. And a lot of things I learned as a kid were through Disney movies, and then later as an adult was probably through teen comedies, which is probably not the healthiest thing for me looking back. But this scene in particular, I remember it resonating with me. And I don't even think I really asked my parents about it. Like, yo, what happened to Mufasa? He's gonna be all right. <laughs> like, what is this thing, death? But I think the movie does such a great job of teaching you so many lessons that by the end of it, you're almost able to understand and have a little grasp on death, even as a kid. The other lesson that I learned from watching The Lion King is you can't run away from your problems because they're still going to be there. In the movie, that's what Simba does. After the death of his dad... He is chased out of Pride Rock by his uncle and starts a whole new carefree life with Timon and Pumbaa where he doesn't have to worry about anything, at least so he thinks. But what's going on back at home and everybody who, you know, thought he was dead too, like that's still a very big problem and all he did was get away from it, put it out of his mind, out of sight. And that shows you that running away is never the answer. And what does he have to do in the end? He has to go back and face his problems head on. 
But the most important thing I learned from The Lion King is do not trust your uncles. Next up, I want to talk about another one of my favorite Pixar movies, and it is Toy Story. And maybe something I learned from Toy Story that not everybody else took away from this movie is you have to set your goals high. And that is something I learned through Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear is so positive. He almost seems delusional. And I feel like sometimes we all know those people in our life who are just so positive that I'm myself and more of a Woody. I'm a little bit more of a realist. And while those people seem like, like, what are you doing? How do you wake up already in a good mood? How do you think everything is going to work out? You have all these high expectations and it seems like these people have no flaws. And what I was able to learn from this movie and the relationship of those two people, the realist being Woody and Buzz Lightyear, who has this very positive outlook and his goals are super high, that the two people can coexist. You can be friends. And that's what I learned from Toy Story. And no matter which one you are, you're going to have your set of problems. Even Buzz in the movie realizes that sometimes those high expectations do come crashing down and you can break your arm off. But I think what really was the underlying moral message of Toy Story that maybe more of us took away from it is that change is inevitable. And we learned that through Woody and him realizing that he's not going to be Andy's favorite toy for his entire life. And when this song is playing and everything in the room is changing, suddenly the Woody posters go down and the Buzz Lightyear posters go up. It's a pretty emotional moment in that movie. And you just have to learn from that. Change is inevitable. We're all going to not be the new shiny thing anymore. And that's okay. It's a part of getting older. It's a part of, in this case, your owner growing older and moving on to new things. Now, we're humans. We're not toys. But I think throughout the entire franchise of Toy Story, we see this theme kind of ongoing of them adapting with all the changes while themselves are still remaining the same. The next movie I want to talk about is A Bug's Life. This movie was very inspirational to me as a kid. I was a very quiet kid in kindergarten and in elementary school, got bullied a little bit for it. And I think as a result of that, now as an adult, why I am a little bit more on the quiet side, unless I'm doing a podcast or something else with a microphone in my face, people just know me as being kind of a quiet person. And I think all that kind of goes back to my childhood. And I think the hardest thing for me was speaking up for myself when there was a kid making fun of me for my weight or the way I looked or my jacked up teeth. I always thought standing up to the bully, standing up for myself would make it worse because I was in that instance, the little guy, even though I was a kid struggling with his weight, I still felt like I was the little guy. So in a figurative sense, but in the movie, A Bug's Life, that's what it's all about. It's these little ants forced to gather food for the mean old grasshoppers. And there's this one ant in particular, Flick, who devises this whole plan to fight back against them, to not take it anymore. And they realize that, well, there are really only so many grasshoppers. And while we are small ants, we totally outnumber them. So while they've been making us feel so bad about ourselves, making us feel like we're so little and insignificant, we really have the power here. We have the power of numbers. So while we've been treated this way our entire life, all we have to do is speak up. All we have to do is stand up against them and they will be powerless and in turn have to run away. 
And I love that the grasshoppers in the movie actually knew that. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. So there you go. You could take that all away from just watching A Bug's Life. Moving on now to my personal favorite Disney movie. While I think The Lion King is probably the best Disney movie of all time, for me personally, my favorite Disney movie will always be Lilo and Stitch. The animation style, the voice acting, the character design, but ultimately it's the story that really hits close to me. And you may be thinking, how does a story about an alien crash landing in Hawaii hit close to home for you? And I think it's because of what I learned from Lilo and Stitch is Stitch feels like he doesn't have a place where he belongs because he's actually in an unfamiliar place where he actually doesn't belong. He's an alien and he's here on Earth and stumbles upon Lilo, who is nice enough to take him in and treat him like he is a normal being. And Stitch has this program rage inside of him, this emotion that he doesn't know how to channel. It just kind of comes out in him destroying things and hurting the people around him. And that's kind of how I felt for a long part of my life. I was this weird alien that nobody could really love because I was always just kind of pushed away. So I've always felt like Stitch in my entire life. And it wasn't until I found somebody who was able to push those feelings aside and learn who the real person is underneath there that I didn't feel like such an alien anymore. And in the movie, Stitch compares himself to the story of the ugly duckling and the feeling of being lost, but then being happy once he finally found his family now, which is the other lesson I took away from Lilo and Stitch is that not every family has to look the same. And I love that Disney went in the direction here and showing Lilo, who struggles with not having her parents around and now being taken care of by her sister and having this kind of resentment and rage inside her, much like Stitch does, but how her entire world has changed now that her sister is now the parent and guardian figure in her life. And what I learned in Lilo and Stitch is that Ohana means family and your family can be broken doesn't have to look like everybody else's. And there's kind of something special in finding beauty where it's not supposed to be. And that idea of Ohana from Lilo and Stitch has always stayed with me. And my favorite scene is at the end when they're going to take away Stitch. And he gives the speech. I'll do my impression of it now. He goes, this is my family. I found it all on my own. It's little and broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. And if that didn't do it justice, here's the actual clip from the movie. This is my family. I found it all on my own. It's little and broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. So that's what I learned from Lilo and Stitch. Moving on now to Finding Nemo. I think the one we all probably learned from this and the one that most of you sent in on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram was that just keep swimming. And what that really leads to is the overarching message in Finding a Nemo. Yes, you do have to just keep swimming. And what that will get you will allow you to step outside of your comfort zone. And once you get out of your comfort zone, that's where all of your life is going to happen. That's where you're going to find the adventure 
that's where you're going to find the real story here in Finding Nemo. Nemo was sheltered as a kid because he was born in tragedy. Starts out with all of his brothers and sisters and his mom passing away. He was the one that lived. So for that reason, his dad is very overprotective. He's not like all the other fish, so he doesn't want him getting hurt. He wants to keep him right in their little community, right there close to home. But Nemo, he's like, I got to go see the world. I got to get out of here. I got to not be around my dad all the time and be my own fish. And I myself have found that in life, it's hard to get out of that comfort zone. I was in my comfort zone for a long time because stepping out of it scared me. Going back earlier where I was talking about how I am a relatively quiet person. And for me, stepping out of my comfort zone means doing things like this, speaking on a microphone that I know other people are going to listen to. My job that I do every single day takes me out of my comfort zone. The first time I ever did stand up in front of actual people is something I probably would have never done because I'd have been so scared, but I had to get out of that comfort zone. So that was something I learned in Finding Nemo and how letting go is kind of just a part of growing up. Another one of everybody's favorite Pixar movies is Coco. And I loved, obviously, me being Mexican, loved the representation of my culture in a Pixar movie. And the main message of Coco, of course, is the importance of family and how the love of family is unconditional and it's forever and we should remember all of those who came before us and in the movie you see this with them showcasing the day of the dead and how powerful memories are and those loved ones who eventually will leave you can live on through memories as long as you don't forget about them another pixar movie that really got me in the feels now, I was older when I watched this movie. I was 24 years old when it came out back in 2015. But I love the concept and the message in Inside Out. It's not only how we should embrace sadness, but how it's important with all the things you feel that you don't bottle up your emotions and it's okay to feel things and that you can't be happy all the time. Because in the movie, all of Riley's emotions are trying to make sure that she never feels pain and everything is just happy-go-lucky. And they try the whole time to keep her sadness totally away, keep everything bad locked away from her. But you learn that that's not healthy. So I feel like this was one of the more impactful Pixar movies, especially in the last 10 years. I would put this up there on like the must-see movies that I show my kids someday. And then let's talk about Soul, which when this movie came out and as I watched it, I didn't feel like Soul was a kid's movie at all because the lesson I learned in Soul, it's almost a very kind of existential crisis type situation. And the overall message is to not overlook the small things in life. The whole time this guy thinks he wants to be this musician. He's had this dream forever, but he feels like since it's been reduced to him just being a teacher that he hasn't really accomplish what he wanted to in life and he spends the whole time trying to reach this goal realizing he's had all the things that make up life really around him his entire time all he had to do was really just look around it really just shows us as adults how we spend all our time pursuing these goals trying to achieve all these things like all the time being focused on this big overarching goal because we think if we don't get there we're a failure and it really kind of shows us that you have to make time and focus on the things that make you happy. 
and they don't have to be that thing you were destined to do. It could be just enjoying food, spending time with your family, teaching a class, being a part of somebody else's life. It doesn't have to be this thing you were destined to be. And you don't necessarily have to have a goal that you live and strive for in life. You can find happiness in just the everyday things. And watching that movie, I feel like us as adults, we had that kind of inward look on our life of evaluating our jobs. Like, is this really making me happy? Is this really what I want to be doing with the rest of my life? Which I feel is probably important for a kid to learn too. But I almost felt like that was Pixar's next step up of making an animated movie for adults. And if there was ever a time to have like a PG-13 or maybe like a R-rated next step level of Pixar movie, I could see it going in that way after something like Soul. Now, yeah, I know an R-rated superhero movie makes more sense, but you never know. They may run out of kid-friendly ideas that they have to go that route. But those are just some of the lessons I think we've all learned from Disney Pixar movies. There are tons of more movies, tons of more lessons I could have covered, but I do want to get into my spoiler-free review of Turning Red, and I'll also tell you what I learned from that movie as an adult man. And I realize now that I'm having my own existential crisis after talking for that long about animated movies, so I'm going to take a break for a second and come back after this. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about Turning Red, which is available to stream for free on Disney+. Plus. Yes, it does not have the $29.99 paywall just up there for free. I've been talking about Disney Pixar movies and how Pixar just gets more and more progressive. And I have to say, I think in the last five years, this is probably one of the boldest Pixar movies I've seen. It's about this girl turns 13 years old and all of a sudden her life is completely different, not only going through changes that you would go through as a 13-year-old, but also having this battle of wanting to defy the authority of her mother, be her own person. But now she has this bizarre thing that happens to her when she gets too excited or too emotional. She literally turns into a big red panda. I'll get into a little bit of the controversy around this movie, the lesson I learned from it. But first, here's just a little bit of the Turning Red trailer. I'm a gross red monster! <laughs> Don't look at me! Stay back! This happened already? What did you say? Our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk brought us in our family! So the movie is about Maylin Lee, who just turned 13 years old. This is the first Disney Pixar movie directed by a woman. The first movie from Disney and Pixar to be set in Canada and the second to feature an Asian lead. And it's a coming of age story. It's all about going through changes in your body. At the core of the movie, it deals with puberty and what comes along with that and a young girl's life. But outside of that, it's more of her struggle to not be this kid who has always done everything her mom has said and kind of go out and defy that and find her own way to be herself and not have to fall in line with everything that has come before her in her family. And what happens to her now that she is 13 years old, she finds out about her family history and how all the women have had what is happening to her now whenever she gets emotional, whenever she gets too stressed out or sad, she turns into a giant red panda. She completely freaks out the first time it happens. Her mom lets her know the entire history behind it and that if they perform this ritual, they can keep it in check. But all she has to do is for about a month be able to control her emotions because if she's not able to, the panda will become a part of her and not be able to go away. And immediately while watching this movie, it felt so different that I questioned it a little bit. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get into it. And again, I'm fully self-aware that I'm a 30-year-old male watching this movie. So parts of it was just hard for me to identify with. And the movie was so different that it took me a second to get into just the visual concept around this movie. And I love that it's said in the early 2000s. I love all the references to things from the 90s and the technology of that time from the Tamagotchi to the flip phones with the T9 texting. I loved all of that. And what I really loved about it was the animation style. They pulled a lot from anime and the characters kind of have those big expressions and those fast, quick movements that really 
transferred well to Pixar and kind of gave it its own identity. And I loved all the characters in this, how they all dress in a certain color and it just did a very good job at defining each of their different personalities and their obsession with this boy band in the movie, which also is a callback to the early 2000s. But ultimately where it goes back to and why this movie kind of comes all the way back around and what makes it a great Disney Pixar movie is that it's all about growing up. It shows parents that, you know, you need to give your kid a little bit of freedom, be who they're going to be, let them make mistakes, not take total control over their lives. And I think what I identified with it a little bit is having sometimes an overbearing family presence and how sometimes that can cause more rebellion. And it also shows what kids go through with friends at this age. And the sad realization that I always make watching movies like this, how at that time, you know, friendship seems so important to you and the people with you are going to be friends for the rest of your life. It's really not the case. Like, I don't have any friends that I've been with that long in my life. So maybe I'm a rare case. But at the time, as a kid, it feels like the most important thing and betraying your friends or letting down your friends, like it's going to be the end of your life. And the story and the lesson that this teaches is that even though you do damage those relationships, you know, they can be repaired. So I think there are a lot of great lessons here on the surface level. Maybe it's uncomfortable for some people to show their kids a movie that does deal with things like puberty. But again, going back to what I love about movies, and again, I don't have kids, so I can't speak from a perspective as a parent, but... When I was a kid, like I was talking about earlier, a lot of the things I learned were through movies. And sometimes parents aren't there or have the time to teach a kid about this. And I would just love if there is a kid out there like me who didn't have a movie like this when they were growing up, that this can kind of be a little bit of a moral compass, a little bit of like, I know what you're going through. And here is a very unusual over the top story but at the core of it you can still identify and see yourself in this character i loved maylin lee in this movie i think she is a very memorable character she goes on a very incredible emotional journey in this movie this movie checked all the boxes for me it had the fun elements of whenever she would change into the red panda it had the emotional elements when she's just trying to be a normal kid and make your parents happy, but also have friends. It had the animation I loved, and of course, I was talking about all the nostalgic references. One of my favorite Pixar movies in the last 10 years, I would give it four out of five red pandas. I just thought it was really well done. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. 
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down a movie trailer coming to you very soon in theaters or streaming in a segment I like to call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And today we're talking about a brand new movie coming to Netflix called The Bubble. It is directed by one of the best comedic directors, Judd Apatow. And it's a meta comedy. So it's a movie about making a movie. And... Judd Apatow has made some of the best comedies of the last 20 years from Knocked Up to This Is 40, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Most recently, he came out with The King of Staten Island. And I feel like Judd Apatow is a little bit hit or miss right now. And this movie called The Bubble, like I said, it's a meta comedy. It takes place during the pandemic around October of 2020. And this group of actors, they get put into this bubble. They're all staying in a hotel trying to make this studio franchise movie. Before I get into more what I think about this, here's just a little bit of the bubble trailer. Welcome to the start of production of Cliff Beast 6. Thank you for joining us in our bubble. We are one of two movies in production right now. If we fail, the studio is going to go down. This movie is going to make the world forget about all their problems. What we're doing is edgy. It's real. Crystal just did a TikTok with a dinosaur. So this movie is coming out on Netflix on April 1st, April Fool's Day. And after watching that trailer, I almost thought, is this an April Fool's prank? But it looks like it very much is a real movie. And I love Judd Apatow. I just think in this stage of his career, a meta comedy is not what I'm looking for from him. I kind of want him to go back to his roots. And I feel like he is such a well-established director now that he can set out to make the movies he wants to make, whether they come out in theaters or whether they come out in Netflix. I think he just has that power now as a director. And, you know, and, you know, more respect to him for that. But I kind of feel a little bit, at least to me, that Judd Apatow has fallen off a little bit as a director. You know, he very much boasts these long run times and 
I'm all for long-form content. I watched The Batman, which was three hours, and loved it. Before that, I watched the Justice League Snyder Cut, which was four hours, and I loved that. So I think certain material does warrant a longer runtime. And the reason he makes his comedies longer is because he says, while they are comedies, there are also like character studies. And he really wants to flesh out these characters. And I don't really think that really transfers the same way when I'm watching, you know, the King of Staten Island, do I really need an extra 20 minutes to flesh out a fart joke from Pete Davidson? I don't really think it has the same kind of correlation. And this movie is two hours and six minutes, and I don't really know what to expect from a meta comedy for that long. Just from the trailer, it doesn't look like laugh out loud funny to me. It looks very inside which could be good. Like, I love movies. A movie about making a movie during the pandemic could be funny, but I just don't see it being funny for that long. What this movie does have going for it is a very big ensemble cast of a lot of comedic actors from Fred Armisen, Keegan-Michael Key, Pedro Pascal as the lead in this. So it's a pretty big range there. And they are also kind of, at the same time, doing a parody of Jurassic Dominion, which was also in production at the time of this movie. So that's what the movie they are making in this is kind of mimicking or poking fun at. So I will watch this one, but I feel like it's one that if it doesn't have me after the first hour, I'm not going to commit to that second hour. I think his comedy is just at a certain point, they just kind of stop being funny. And I even see now that he's considering making a This Is 40 Part 2, which would be This Is 50, and I think of all the Judd Apatow movies to make a sequel to, that's like the one at the bottom of my list. I would much rather see a Knocked Up 2 or a follow-up on The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But again, that comes out on Netflix on April 1st. That's the bubble from Judd Apatow. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. If you made it to this point of the podcast, well, you made it to the very end. And you can let me know that you made it to the end by tagging me in your Instagram story. Hit a screenshot of wherever you're listening to. Take a picture of your car dash and be like, hey, I made it to the end of the podcast. And I know that means you are a true, dedicated movie crew listener. So I really appreciate that. And this is the part of the podcast where I always give a listener shout out. You can do that by, well, doing what I just said. Send me a tweet. Email me, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this week's shout out goes to Ramon Sanchez, who sent me a DM, and he actually asked me to come on as a guest to his podcast called Destigmatize. He's a big listener of The Bobby Bones Show and a fan of this podcast. We got to talking about that, too, before we recorded that podcast. But I did an episode with him all about mental health, about my weight loss journey, about what it's like coming from a Hispanic background, having Mexican parents, talked about my wife, so... Appreciate Ramon for having me on your podcast and for being a listener of this podcast. If you want to listen to that episode, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. Just click on that. And don't forget, this Sunday night on ABC, the Oscars are going down, so I'll be watching and tweeting along to those. You can follow me there at Mike Distro. And then next week, I'll do the regular episode, but I'll also do a bonus emergency episode to talk about all the Oscar winners. So all that coming up next week. But until then, go out and watch good movies, and I'll talk to you later. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.